Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Teller County Sheriff's Podcast for the week of January 13th. My name is Commander Greg Couch with the Sheriff's Office. I'm being joined today by James McLaughlin. He's affectionately known as Tiny. He works for the UPRAD Ambulance Service here, also U-Pass Regional Paramedics. I'm also joined today again by Deputy Renee Bunting and Sheriff Jason Mikesell, and we're going to be talking about mental health awareness. James is a captain with the U-Pass Regional Paramedics Health Services, and he's an expert in suicide prevention and that program that they're running right now. So what I'd like to do is uh, have James just kind of tell us a little bit about himself, his experience, and we'll go from there. Ah, thank you. Thank you for having me here today. I'm with Ute Pass Regional Health Service District, and I run a program called the Mental Health Assessment Program or MAP program. And it specifically works with persons in behavioral crisis in our community, including those with substance use disorder. Often we're the agency that folks turn to when somebody is uh, having suicidal thoughts. This program started in December of 2014. Its main focus, like I said, is to just reach out to people in need, uh, to actively listen to them, to understand their needs, and to navigate them to appropriate services. Um, And we could talk more about what those services look like and how our team works with the rest of the community to meet the, the needs within the community. You mentioned substance use disorder. Is that fairly new? I mean, you, you guys started this five years ago or so. Is that something that you're seeing a lot more of nowadays? I don't know if we're seeing more of it or if people are becoming more aware of substance use disorder. I think historically we've had this, and I say we as society, has had this negative connotation of what substance use disorder or drug abuse is, right? Uh, we, we give them labels. We, we call them alcoholics. We call them druggies. We call them things like that. And, and we look at it as a character flaw. I think that's a, a really strong contributing factor to the fact that people often don't reach out for help when they need it. So we really, we, we wanted to take that negative stigma away and, and we wanted to make sure that we were using terminology that was more inclusive and more uh, welcoming for people so that they, they could understand that this isn't the sum of who you are. It's an illness like any other illness. You wouldn't feel like your character was flawed because you had heart disease. You wouldn't feel like your character was flawed because you had cancer, right? But in our society today, so many people feel like it must be something about me as a person that makes me horrible. And that's why I'm a drug addict or an alcoholic. And really what I'd like to do is I'd like the community to start thinking about that differently and say, you know what, it's substance use disorder and it's an illness like any other illness and it needs to be treated medically like any other illness. Do your um, team members go through a type of training, like a sensitivity training um, when dealing with people? And also, is it just your employees or do you have volunteers? How would somebody get involved with that? with helping? So that's an awesome question. All of our providers go through 150 hours of didactic training through Pikes Peak Community College. In addition to being a paramedic with a minimum of two years of experience, and most of our paramedics have many more years than that, they go through an internationally recognized curriculum called community paramedicine. And it includes areas of focus such as motivational interviewing. And that's specifically the piece you were speaking about. Being able to come alongside a person, understand what it is that motivates them, understanding where they're at, actively listening to that person, 
and then in identifying opportunities for change behavior. When somebody is in substance use disorder crisis or mental health crisis, they know there's something wrong. They, they don't need to be told that there's something wrong. And so if I come in as, as the expert and I try and act like their expert on them, well, that's just ridiculous. I'm not an expert on, on you. I'm an expert on me, right? And that person's an expert on them. So if I can come alongside them, give them the time that they need to express how they're feeling, to understand to the best of my ability what it is that drives them and what it is they would like to see, generally speaking, they'll identify the issues themselves. Right. And I think that's great that you're doing that, Jane, because I I really think it's important because I think sometimes they're lost. They don't even know. And so um, they just need someone to help them and encourage them. And I think it's great what you guys are doing. So that's, you know, hats off to you guys for doing that. uh, Thank you so much. And, and, And truthfully, we couldn't do what we do if it wasn't for our other partners in the community. Without the help of Teller County Sheriff's Office, Woodland Park PD, UC Health, many of the doctor's offices in the area, all of the clinicians in the community, and even Aspen Point. And I I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Front Range Clinic, which is a group that comes up here, works with our team once a week to offer medication-assisted treatment for patients in substance use disorder crisis. Well, I think, you know, Tiny, there's another point to this, too. I think we all see that mental health issues are becoming a, a prevailing issue in our community across the state. doesn't matter where it's at. And a lot of the substance abuse issues are popping up. And those disorders are causing us, I know at the sheriff's office, a huge deficit in manpower because what's happening is we are responding to more and more mental health issues. And the deputies are given some tools to deal with that, but your response to assist us with that has been huge. It's really saving the tax dollars for our our folks in the community that are paying taxes on something that has become such a monster um, for us to deal with. And the problem is, is that we don't, as a sheriff's office, have all the capabilities to deal with this issue. You do, and that's what you're providing. And out of all the models that are being used in the state, and we talked a little bit about it, this is the one model that has the least impact on all first responders in communities. And it's working. And my hat's off to your ambulance district and Tim Dietz and you for really taking the time to try to put this together. Because quite honestly, everybody's trying to search for the magic bullet on how to deal with the mental health issues. You guys have found a way to begin the dealing with these issues that nobody else is figuring out. It's an out-of-the-box idea is how this started. It was your idea and Tim's. And I tell you, it, it has come a long ways. Um, this allows me to keep deputies on the road because you're transporting people to, to get help that they need. Most of those people are telling you that they want help and are going down with you to get help because you're explaining how you can benefit that. And it's different than me putting somebody in a patrol car in handcuffs, having to take them down um, because they feel in, you know insecure that, hey, why are the cops taking me? I'm, I'm under arrest. And really, we aren't. We're just trying to detain them long enough to get them to somebody that can help them. Whereas you can do it passively without all the resistance and the issues that go along with it. Um, and with an ever-growing community, with an ever-growing issue in substance abuse and, and the mental health issues, you, you guys are doing amazing work. I just want to thank you for that. And truthfully, it doesn't happen in a box. It, I can't say enough about the relationship with Ute Pass and the Sheriff's Department. This program wouldn't be as successful as, as it is if we didn't have buy-in from your deputies. 
I can speak for all of my crews. Uh, we feel that when a, a situation arises, we know your team and your members have our back and that we're going to, uh, to work collaboratively to figure out a solution. And this isn't something that happens instantly. It takes time. You know, I've never felt rushed by your deputies. My team has never felt rushed by your deputies. They've always afforded us the time that it takes to work through the situation. And I can't express enough how important that is. Well, and I, I think a lot of it too, deputies are concerned about these people that we deal with every day. And, and I think about one of our biggest concerns is how many times do we have to go back before, you know, there's, there's a serious problem. You know, the attempted suicides in the county have gone up uh, probably by double in the last few years. We respond every day to someone, and that's someone that needs help. And, and the thing is, is that we can't give them above and beyond where we're at with them right at that moment. You know, you're giving them help that, that extends um, into preventative type things. And that's, that's really what needs to be done. And I think all the deputies know that when you guys arrive on scene, you know, there's somebody there that, that's going to care just as much as they do. And they want to see that these folks get good treatment um, because we don't want to have to go back and continually do this. A lot of these families have kids. Some of them are kids that we're dealing with. You know, a lot of the adults have are just at their wits end. They don't know what to do if it's if it's the youth. And, and unfortunately, in this community, we've seen some teenage suicide deaths. There's just no excuse for those things. We're just not getting them the help they need right away. And you guys are. And we're attempting to do more and more uh, as we can. But uh, it, there just needs to be an awareness. And, and I really appreciate you coming in and talking to us today. I just want to touch on one piece. You, you talked about the completed suicides. And those, those are folks that have committed suicide. I've been a paramedic for, for more than 20 years now. And I look at every completed suicide as a missed opportunity to make a difference. I can't tell you what the impact is on the community as a whole. I'm talking about the emotional impact. We know the dollars and cents. We know that it's extremely expensive for a community to, to experience one completed suicide. But the emotional impact is almost unimaginable for the family, obviously, and for the friends, but also for the first responders. The loss of human life in that way has a tremendous impact on law enforcement officers, on paramedics, and on firefighters. We're here to save life. All of us are. And when you see that, it leaves a defeated feeling in you. And that's really where this program stemmed from for, for us. Paramedics aren't running calls nonstop, 24 hours a day. There is some capacity in our structure that allows us to address things in a different way. And that's where the community paramedic program and the MAP program came from was, what if we took some of that residual capacity and we added value to the community by responding to these behavioral crises before uh, someone's attempted suicide or before someone has completed suicide? Yep. And James, I think um, that's one of the biggest things I see is that just those unanswered questions that family and community members have. And a lot of it, I don't know if you see it so much, but people will say, I didn't know where to go for those resources. You know, I didn't know where to get my questions answered or where, where is that information? The more we can get out there to inform people, there's someone there to say, you know what, I just heard that or I just read that and go to the library or, you know, reach out to the first responders in the community. Because one of the biggest things that I tell everybody is that 
we don't only work here, we live here. This is our community. And, and same with all of us, you know. So I love that, seeing the people that you've helped or assisted, you know, at the grocery store or at an event. And I'm, and I'm sure like you guys, because you're out there all the time, too. So I, I just cannot say enough to say thank you well, for everything you guys do. Yeah, every day is a success story. It is. You know, because you see those people. And, and you were able to to intervene in a point in their life when they're at their lowest moments. And they were looking at options that would define the rest of their lives um, by that moment. And you were able to put a stop to it or to intervene into it to get them the help that would put a stop to that. And I know that every day is a growing day for them. But I've, I've met with a lot of people that... After those events, when they've had that intervention, have told me that was the, the changing moment in their lives. And, and I think that's, that's a credit to all the first responders for being able to intervene in that moment. And, and I think that's what people are looking for, just to know somebody cares. And in and, and doing it the way you guys are doing it, you do. You have success stories all over this county, all over the country, um, for what you've done. And that, that's an amazing success. It is a truly humbling experience. Um, one of the things that I love to do is go out to the farmer's market every Friday during the summer and meet with the community and understand what the community is looking for and what their needs are. One of the truly rewarding things from that is the fact that it's not uncommon for a client, a previous client, to come up to us and, and just hug us and say, you know, thank you. If it wasn't for the services that you have helped steer us towards, I wouldn't be here today. Paramedics want to save lives. That's what we do. Law enforcement officers want to save lives. That's that's why we get into this, this career field. I got to be honest with you. I think that what we do on the ambulance side is really important, but I don't think there's anything that has the impact on human life and on quality of life like what we're doing with the MAP program. In my career, from what I have seen, Coming from a larger agency, we had pretty much one way to deal with somebody who was suicidal or had substance use disorders, and that was to detain them and drop them off at the mental hospital. And, and they'd be in there for 48 hours on a 48-hour hold. And I'm just so thankful from, from my experience that I hope we never get so big that we just operate that way here. I, I don't think we ever will, but I'm just so grateful. And I, and I think most law enforcement officers are, are grateful that, hey, I've got somebody that I can hand off to another person that I know who's trained and has experience. And I feel a lot better about this situation rather than detaining somebody in a patrol car, taking them and dropping them off at a hospital. We're fortunate in this community because we have community leaders that care. And without that, you, you do end up with like the bigger city mentalities on it's just a number. And I think that has to be the difference that this county has. I know as a sheriff's department and ambulance district and police departments, they can't just be a number. You know, they're a person. They need to be treated as such um, with all that honor and dignity we can provide them so that this doesn't affect them for the rest of their life. You know, Tanya, this is actually one of the biggest issues I have with the red flag bill. Not that I even like to mention the red flag bill anymore. I'm so tired of it. <laughs> but quite honestly, you know, one of the biggest issues we have is it, it brands somebody mentally defective. And that's a hard stigma to get rid of. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of these folks just have a momentary issue at, at one point in time, and it shouldn't affect them for the rest of their lives. And, and the same thing goes with all mental health conditions. You shouldn't be the crazy person up the road. This is a person that had some, some difficult issues that needs help. But once they're, they're healed and they get past that, they shouldn't have that stigma. That's 20 years ago. It's not today. It's, there is an issue, and we do need to look at it as such, and then it, 
they need to know that they can come back from that. And I agree with you on the fact that we have to find a way to overcome that stigma and to stop looking at it as a character flaw. The other thing that I would like to take this moment to talk about is the youth and our society and the impact that suicide is having on our youth. It is robbing us of our next generation. I want to speak to the parents for just a second, if I might. And I'm a father of four, so I, I completely understand. I'm master of my domain. I'm keeper of my house. I'm responsible for my family. And to think that one of my children might have mental illness or might have substance use disorder, the first knee-jerk reaction associated with that is to see that as a flaw in me as a parent and to see it as I've done something wrong. And what I want to impress upon the parents out there today that are listening to this, it is not a reflection on you as a parent. It is not a reflection on you as a person. Some people just are hurting. Some people just are suffering. The best thing you can do for a parent is to be brave enough to reach out and get them the help that they need because you don't want to be that parent that says, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have heard what they were saying. Nobody is going to attack you as a parent if you reach out for help. But I certainly don't want to be holding you in my arms with you crying on my shoulder, talking about the loss of your child. That's not good for anyone. And we as a community can do better. On that note, Sheriff, would you like to talk about how parents in, the, in a situation like that need not be afraid to call law enforcement first to help with maybe a child that's out of control, on, on, has a substance use disorder, or, or is just uh, basically running the household? I've, I've been on calls, you probably have as well, where we have a child who may be in their teens who's running that household, and the parents are so afraid to reach out. What would you say to those folks? Well, and, and we've all seen it, and some things we run into is that uh, parents are worried that we're going to arrest that child or to harm that child in getting the help they need. So that's why they don't call us. And, and, and this extends from things to verbal abuse to punching holes in the walls or having weapons where parents become very in fear that their child might even hurt them in their sleep. Uh, unfortunately, nobody wants to talk about those issues outside the home. It, it becomes, a, it, it happened behind a closed door. Well, the problem is until we start opening those doors and understand when you call us, our main goal is not to arrest that person. Our main goal is to get somebody involved that can help with this issue. And those are indicators. And uh, Renee, can we post some indicators on our website? Oh, absolutely. Uh, for different things. But parents need to understand, all they have to do is reach out with us. Because the one thing that we're going to do is if it's not something we need to respond to immediately, what we're going to do is put them in touch with Tiny and his organization or other organizations within the county, within those ambulance districts that can reach out and help get help. The biggest thing that you cannot do is turn your back on it because it gets worse. It doesn't go away. It's going to get worse. And that's so hard sometimes for a parent to understand is that we're not there to hurt you. We're not there to take that child into custody and cause you more issues. It's the fact that all we're there to do is to help to, to help try to help you get help for your family. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and that's confidential. We'll give it out to the first responders that need it or the organizations that we believe need that information to assist. But reach out to us. We're more than happy to be there for you. That's something that, that I will always push our deputies to do is assist, uh, not, not harm.
Yeah, I think I think we are truly a community that cares, and the partnerships that we have with our medical folks is definitely a plus for anyone who's out there hurting or knows someone who's hurting. Just please reach out. We've got a lot of good qualified people like Tiny here that want to help you and want to see you succeed. It gets tiring running on calls where there was a failure. And I'll tell you, it's something you never forget. We've been all in law enforcement uh, in this room for over 20 years, and, and there's always things you regret in life. And, and the worst regret you have will ever be talking to a parent having to explain what, what was found. It's the worst feeling you'll ever feel. Tiny, where can people get help who need it? There might be somebody listening to this podcast right now who is either a parent or even a, a student or a child. What can they do to help themselves? If you're in immediate crisis, the best thing you can turn to is 911. If someone's life is at risk, go ahead, call 911. The local law enforcement agencies here will get the right resources to you. If you are thinking about suicide, if you are depressed, if you're in that dark place, what I encourage you to do is to reach out to Colorado Crisis Services. The direct number is 844-493-8255. You can also text TALK to 38255. And those services are available 24 hours a day. And there's someone you can talk to 24 hours a day. They will also get you in contact with a MAP paramedic if that's what's needed. Once we arrive on scene, I think the important thing to understand is we are not there to be the answer to everything. We are there to listen, to understand the client's needs, and then to navigate them to the appropriate resources. We're there to de-escalate the immediate crisis, to make sure that they've got the immediate services that they need, to make sure that medically everything's addressed, and then we will help set them up with the additional services that they need. That might be counseling. That might be medication-assisted treatment for substance use disorder. That could be behavioral health services as either as an inpatient or as an outpatient. But the one thing I promise you is, as a person in crisis, regardless of your age, you will always have input on what happens. You will always be the expert in you. And we will actively listen to you every step of the way. And for the parents out there, I want you to hear this. Your opinion matters too. We're not looking to take your rights away as a parent. We're looking to support you and to help you through this really, really difficult time. And we will do it as a team and we will do it together. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tiny. I've really learned a lot, and I really appreciate your time. Also, I'll go ahead and repeat those resources you gave earlier. If you're having trouble, you can text TALK to 38255, or you can also call the Colorado Crisis Services at 844-493-8255. Again, thanks, everyone, for joining us. We will put these resources on our website, tellercountysheriff.com, and we'll see you next week.